this is Busted Business Bureau. I'm Christian Borky. This podcast is produced by the Lincoln Lodge in Chicago, Illinois. If you like this podcast and you want to support it, you can go to patreon.com slash Bureau. Today I have my beautiful, gorgeous friend, Emma Day. Hello. Emma, it's like been a long time coming for you to be on this fucking podcast. Really? Literally. Oh, that yeah. warms my heart to hear. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You have a podcast. I do have a podcast. It's called Do You Have a Sec? You should check it out. Yeah. If you... Have a sec. <laughs> I love your podcast. And honestly, it was very foundational in fo- forming this podcast. Really? Of like the energy and conversation that you guys have. Like, no yeah. freaking way. I didn't know. Honestly, I should not have ever started a podcast because I knew nothing about podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> so I only had like you and Behind the Bastards and like that's it. <laughs> and our podcast is just like some girlies talk. It's like very different energy, which is aw- like awesome to know. But this is girlies talking. Or at least mm-hmm. I'm going for girlies talking. And yeah. so everything is just like a half-assed impression of like you and Michelle and Eva. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. really nice to know oh cool awesome because sometimes I think sad thoughts about my podcast and I'm like oh to know that it's you know made you want to do your podcast ah yeah I love listening to it well I guess I have to do it until I die now slay slay (laughs) hilarious today we're talking about Jewel amazing children do you remember Jewel (laughs) I don't think it's cool anymore but to me it literally used to be the same functionality word as like Kleenex Mm. like the brand name represented the whole noun it's now like vape or pen or whatever when you want to hit an e-cig but maybe I'm revealing that I'm a dork but Jewel used to be very cool yeah jeweling used to be the verb yeah you would be jeweling but now there's a whole bunch of different little guys out there that I don't have any idea what they are I know I, I can't keep up with the children anymore yeah I still do see like jewel pods just littering the sidewalk though you know <laughs> yeah. which is annoying i'm like just smoke a real cigarette at that point grow you up. know if you're gonna make waste <laughs> yeah <laughs> grow up and put the real smoke in your lungs <laughs> you know tell me what you know about jewel um well so i don't know when they came around i remember the first time i ever saw like an e-cig ad i'll tell you that was when i was on my uh little disney band trip in middle school and there was a, a e-cig vape that was like the blue it was called like blue blu or something like it's that it's always spelled something stupid yeah weird they have to make a color a weird spelling you know <laughs> and i remember being in my hotel room at you know on my disney band trip being like how can you smoke inside that doesn't make any sense like how do you electrically smoke a cigarette then fast forward to 2017 and jewel like blew the heck up Mm -hmm. um and i was on a study abroad trip which is where i like really got introduced to jeweling because i was with some friends who were just trying to become reformed smokers and decided that i think jeweling was a a way to get out of that so they had smoked and then they got into jeweling yeah yeah this is also very like study abroad you're experiencing the culture of the world and getting into e-cigarettes yeah and people there just smoke real cigarettes you know like they're they just roll their own cigarettes so i think like jeweling i it also was like a sneaky way to do it inside you know mm-hmm. um and now i know like p- places have rules where you can't do it inside but that was my kind of first intro was 2017 and it was like big and then you know coming back it had run rampant mm-hmm. here and mm-hmm. it was like a thing of you know hitting your jewel and passing your jewel and you if you lose yes. your jewel that's a really bad thing in jewel culture <laughs> <laughs> you know the- the only time I can ever remember like actually being around Jewel in a, in a meaningful way was also 2017. Interesting. I was at, I didn't go to a lot of dorm parties because I was friends with adults and so I went to a lot of apartment okay, parties. Okay, brag. But like one of the few dorm parties I went to, like people were passing around a Jewel and I hit a Jewel and like maybe this is just revealing how much of an alcoholic I am but I, I felt like nothing and I was like, why do people do this? This is stupid. <laughs> I yeah, I, I, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I, when I would hit, I remember at like hitting a jewel and being like, this is too spicy for me. <laughs> you know, like it, 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 a cigarette goes in and it gives you that little like lung tingle and you get that little head high. But the jewel, it was all minty flavored or like a fruit flavor, but it was so <laughs> yeah. spicy in my mouth mm-hmm. that I was, I didn't feel anything because I was like, this is, I have to. You know, there was no inhaling. It was just like in my mouth and I would spit it out because I didn't like it. Well, mine was not spicy because <laughs> I'm not a wiener. But <laughs> yeah, maybe spicy is not the right word. But I just remember being like, I can't too much. keep this in my mouth for too long. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Jules marketing of itself is that it I mean, like we're talking about all these young people fucking smoking Jewel, yeah. But the point of Jewel per their marketing is that it is a smoking cessation device. It is meant to like your friends wanted to transition away from normal cigarettes mm. and perhaps out of cigarettes at all. This is not going to be an episode about big tobacco, which I considered making. Um, <laughs> but I honestly, I might do like a whole season about it. I don't know. 
Yeah. But this is about the smoking cessation industry. The global nicotine replacement therapy market size was like $44 billion in 2020. Holy shit. Like, think like Nicorette gum or the patches or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of products dedicated to get people to stop smoking. And to me, it's inherently oxymoronic, right? Right. Forgive me for not showing my work here, but it's widely understood that cigarettes bad, right? Cigarettes bad. <laughs> Uniquely dangerous, addictive. Again, I might do an entire season on the subject. So instead of stopping manufacturing of these products, our solution as a society is to create an industry that gets individuals less addicted to cigarettes. Do you understand? Like, The business <laughs> yeah. model for Juul fundamentally has to rely on the fact that there's an increasing number of smokers who want to quit. Right. Which means an increasing number of smokers. Right. So they're like, stop smoking, just be addicted to nicotine. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's so much easier, you guys. <laughs> so otherwise, they literally cannot grow as a business unless there are more smokers. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if the true intention is to stop smoking, fundamentally that doesn't work with a business model. Like right. You'd be starting a nonprofit at that point. Right. And also, I thought in my head the intention of um, vaping slash e-cigs was to do them wherever, which mm. if you're trying to get people to stop, sm like if you're operating under the guise of stopping people from smoking, making it more accessible <laughs> is kind of <laughs> counterproductive to that like that idea. You know, hey, you don't even have to go outside in negative five degree Chicago weather. Just hit your vape inside mm -hmm. all the fucking time. Yeah. And that is a problem that one of my friends ran into. Um, she decided to buy a cartridge, like a vape cartridge that had 30% more, like it was a bigger cartridge that so had 30% more juice in it. Chunky. And her, yeah, as a chonky boy, <laughs> chonky vape boy. And her reasoning, because I remember her explaining this, was that she was like, it's great. It has more in it, so I'll do it less. Like I can take a bigger <laughs> drag and I will be satisfied for longer. I won't have to do it as much at work. And then I'll also save money because I'll be buying it less. Famously, impenetrable logic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then I saw her about three months later and she was like, that was the worst fucking idea I've ever had. Because it turns out I was just hitting my jewel more often, buying more expensive, bigger jewel pods more often. Yeah. <laughs> because she was doing it all fucking. She's like, I would hit it on my breakfast, lunch break. She was like, I was hitting my jewel pretty much all day at work. So... Yeah, kind of seems kind of productive. And we will talk about that. Let's do it. However, we are going to start by talking about the industry on which Jewel is standing atop of, right? Like, I know I said it's not going to be a big tobacco episode, and it's not, but there's important context when it comes to the legality mm -hmm. of cigarettes and why Jewels are the way that they are, which mm -hmm. is, as your friend experienced, incredibly addictive, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to try and keep this episode as clear and concise as possible, but, like, people have written full books longer than, like, every single podcast I've ever done put together. Wow. You know, like, on the subject. It's, like, a very lengthy and intricate history. Okay. So forgive me for like you know there's gonna be a lot of generalizations in here and it's a little bit piecemeal You're but forgiven. i hope that my thin telling of the story of like big tobacco ish hints at the scope of the industry that jewel is you know operating from mm -hmm. so here's some questions i want to answer okay given that the cigarette has no medicinal benefits <laughs> is proven to be incredibly carcinogenic <laughs> and when used as intended and is unbelievably addictive why is it legal forgive the naivety of the question but this seems like the kind of thing that we decided to stop doing as a society mm. so why are they still around and how does this legal status influence the e-cigarette industry? This is what we're going to be talking about in the episode. That's a great question. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I mention Emma's a doctor? <laughs> yes, I got my PhD a few years ago, so let's go into it. Politics, science, and big business all come together here. So I tried to find a book going over each. For politics, I read Sarah Milov's The Cigarette, A Political History, which came out in 2019. For science, I read, this is my favorite book, and I read this book for fun, um, and I just love using it on the podcast whenever. <laughs> but it's Siddhartha Mukherjee's uh, Emperor of All Maladies, A Biography of Cancer. Cool. Oh my God, it's the best Which, you know, cigs are all over that. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. In section four, Prevention is the Cure, is where like he really goes over cigarettes. For the business side, I have Robert Proctor's Golden Holocaust, Origins of the Cigarette Catastrophe, and The Case for Abolition. Wow, Striking what a title. title. Longest book, and I'm so sorry, <laughs> I don't know where to put this in the episode, and this is already a tangent, and I know I need to talk about the episode. Uh-huh. But I decided to just like do a quick Wikipedia search of the authors just to like get to know them. Fun fact. They all smoke. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Deleteriously so. Um, Robert Proctor, the guy whose book I just mentioned, his work is astonishing, groundbreaking. He's written other books that I was interested in. So I was like, oh, I want to look up this guy. He's like a boy version of Marie Monique Robin, which is a reference for the podcasters who listen to this episode. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the cursor Wikipedia search on him has this contextless sentence that is astonishing. <laughs> <clears throat> Quote, in 2008... Proctor served as an expert witness in a wrongful death suit against Philip Morris, and he used the N-word in his testimony, triggering a mistrial. Oh, 
Oh, buddy. <laughs> Oops. Oh, <laughs> you know, I know it doesn't matter, but I am so curious to hear the you- context of <laughs> the way that he used the word. So, of course, oh. I looked into it because I was like, what? For sure. From what I gathered. And again, I did not have the fucking time oh, for this. God. It seems like he was called in as an expert witness in this groundbreaking trial. And he was talking about his research that he's done on the cigarette industry, of which there's a lot of like ties to racism. <laughs> and he's like the kind of guy who reads the N word out loud and like, you know, when you're going around in eighth grade and you're reading like Huckleberry Finn, you know, and, and normally the teacher's like, skip it. And that one kid's like, I'm going to say it. I'm going. I'm going. I'm not going to read the text as the text is. <laughs> so I think that's what happened. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> So and it ruined the whole trial. Well, okay, that was a mistrial. I don't really know how legal proceedings work, Me but the, this trial continued like after the mistrial proceedings happened. Okay, so I think they either needed to get new jurors or like they needed to shuffle something around. I forget what. But importantly, <laughs> I don't think the plaintiff was black. I'm pretty sure he was white. Oh boy! So it's like, why did you do this? You just, at he all? was just like a word I would use to describe this person <laughs> is. <laughs> And the judge was like, absolutely not. You know. <laughs> so the judge had said it's prejudicial to hear like the context of racism in the cigarette industry and then also hear the N-word, I think was like the reason. Weird. I, I, well, because if you assume if there's racism in the industry, you know, that they're probably using that. Yeah. But like, again, the plaintiff was not black. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. it's just like, why, Robert? Why? <laughs> You're fucking it up for everybody else, buddy. I'm sorry. That is not a good introduction on him, but I thought that was like too crazy of a sentence in a story to not include in the podcast. Yeah. I want to, again, emphasize his work <laughs> is unbelievably good (laughs) i'm sorry to you robert (laughs) sorry to this man sorry to this man (laughs) so okay fine i'll fucking start the episode whatever (laughs) so robert god damn it god damn it robert (laughs) the way that this distracted me for stuff i really needed to read all right why were cigarettes ever legal because they're fucking cool because they're fucking cool they make you look cool as shit smoking dates back like fucking centuries people have been finding ways to put shit in paper roll it up and smoke it inhale it whatever to Mm -hmm. massively oversimplify cigarette smoking as we know it today was widely popularized during the world wars yep that makes sense right soldiers from around the world were discovering other people's ways to smoke because this is like a large gathering event like you and fucking budapest (laughs) learning from other people right yeah i actually did study abroad so (laughs) This is mentioned in all three books I read. Like, the war is exactly why cigarette smoking became so popular around the world so quickly. And can I ask you a question? Isn't that also around the time where they were like, hey, cigarettes are actually good for you because they they calm you down? Certainly that is what advertisers were saying. Okay. It is dubious. I guess some people probably believed it at one point. Like, I... Okay. Because what else are you going to do in the trenches, you know? <laughs> right. When they're not shooting at you. Um, kiss other dudes or smoke a cigarette. God, hopefully at the same time. Right. Mm. Maybe one right after the other. Oh my God, that would hurt. <laughs> Kissing and smoking. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Oh, that is hot. Yes. <laughs> uh, from Proctor, quote, the war to end all wars, World War One, turned smoking from a marginal indulgence of questionable morality to an unobjectionable mark of stalwart manhood. Mm, More dryly put, war legitimized cigarettes. The numbers say it all. Per capita consumption of manufactured cigarettes in the U.S. near tripled from 1914 to 1919 from 155 per year to 505 per year this is one of the most rapid increases of smoking ever recorded wow i just want to include a quote from sartha Mukherjee as well because his prose is just really beautiful so like i want to like this is how he says the same thing basically like a virus too the cigarette mutated adapting itself to different contexts in soviet gulags it became an informal currency among english suffragettes a symbol of rebellion among american suburbanites a symbol of rugged machismo among disaffected youth a generational rift in the turbulent century between 1850 and 1950 the world offered conflict atomization and disorientation the cigarette offered its equal and opposite salve camaraderie a sense of belonging the familiarity of habits if cancer is the quintessential product of modernity, then so too is its principal preventable cause, tobacco. Whoa. What a fucking way to say a thing. Christ, this book is so good. <laughs> you know, because, oh man, because that is a really good point. Like, it is such a bonding Mm -hmm. item and the fact that you can not to come from a marketing standpoint but you can brand it to like literally any scenario is crazy and like I mean, even personal experience, right? Like, all the coolest people at work are always going outside to smoke a cigarette. Well, <laughs> like, I honestly, dab. my sister used to work at Starbucks for fuck uh, like a decade. And Christ. she was like, I almost took up smoking so many times just because those people got more breaks than I did. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, so I want to go outside for five minutes and have a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's just like this weird moment of human tenderness and connection where you just like offer someone else a cigarette. Sharing a cigarette. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's just like something that genuinely is something budding, especially in this culture that is atomized and disorienting and like difficult to make friends and whatever. Hilarious that you say getting a light because I literally started carrying around a lighter <laughs> in college. Not because I smoked, but because I was like, hey, if a pretty girl needs a light, I can <laughs> provide that for her. <laughs> Did you read Neil Strauss's The Game? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so, you know, things we do for love. <laughs> so um, Sarah Milov talks a great deal about tobacco farmers in the U.S. Mm-hmm. government, especially around the wars. Classifying the industry as essential, the U.S. government authorized the inclusion of rolling papers and tobacco in troops' rations. Whoa. Right? So when the Second World War presented another industrial crisis, the government stepped in again. Britain had stopped importing U.S. cigarettes and to conserve, uh, t- so th- to do conserve its own war effort, like they stopped importing cigarettes. Yeah. So the U.S. government bought volumes equivalent to the UK export market to protect its own farmers. So literally the government was like bankrolling private cigarette companies and, and like tobacco farmers, Holy right? Shit. Because this was already such an important product by the end of World War II. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We were paying for it to be in soldiers' rations. We were paying, you know, farmers who were taking losses because of the war. Like, and again, I'm going through so much history here with just like a, the biggest fucking brushstroke. But yeah. Yeah. Like that's. You're not even talking about slavery and all that shit. And <laughs> right. Fuck, you know, plantations and. She talks about how the government's been bailing out tobacco farmers since the 30s. The federal price support system began with the 1933 Agricultural Adjustment Act. And like they continue paying out farmers until like 2014. Like, Whoa. So. Returning to the question of why it was ever legal, circling back to the war, during this time we had the financial incentive to like keep the tobacco agriculture industry alive, and also we didn't know a fucking thing about carcinogens. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you said, it is like marketed at least as this healthy thing. Everybody does it, um, and we did not even have a functional FDA at this point. <laughs> well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like We didn't have the FDA until like 1936. Um, and if you want to hear more information about that, um, check out episode five of my Monsanto season <laughs> called Bovine Growth Hormone. <laughs> Yeah, you should just really listen to that whole season. It's pretty phenomenal. Pretty not, to toot your, not to toot your horn for, horn for, horn for you. For you. Are you okay? I don't know. <laughs> smell toast. <laughs> Tobacco was excluded from the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906, the Wiley Act, right? And came instead under the rule of the miscellaneous tax unit of sure. the Bureau of, of Internal Revenue. And then later the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Unregulated from a public health point of view. Of course. Which well, because you put stick in mouth light stick it goes away you're done yeah no nothing else happens it was not classified as a drug for a very wow very long time well i yeah i mean i guess you know as a as a common man as i am mm-hmm. like i if i were back then and you didn't know anything about it i wouldn't classify it as a drug either it would be like a consumable you know like a mm-hmm. like toast like bread you know and even though there were a shit ton of people like obviously experiencing the symptoms of cancer, <laughs> cancer <laughs> one would say bravely. Um, the thing is, we it was so common that it like it, it was like saying sitting causes cancer. That's what Michael G says in his book. You know, like because everybody did yeah. it, and only some people get cancer, right? Because not a hundred percent of people get cancer from right. smoking, right? Um, or some people just like die earlier or whatever. It's impossible to see that linkage. We'd only discovered carcinogens like accidentally in the 1700s because like young chimney sweeps kept getting scrotal cancer, which is like two rare events that then people were like, oh. Like not a lot of people are chimney sweeps. Not a lot of people get scrotal cancer. The fact that this is happening to all these kids, like mm, there's a correlation. There's a correlation. Mm-hmm. So it was unscientific. It was 1700s, like whatever. But like scrotal cancer. Yeah, like the soot or whatever. They're like, I, don't, I have actually no idea how to okay, describe it. Okay, yeah, we can talk about that on a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> I talk. You know, I have a different podcast called Suck Off, which is a discussion recap podcast. We talk about balls a lot on that podcast, so you can go over there. <laughs> scrotal cancer for chimney sweeps. That's yeah, just like so it was like the first discovery that like something in the environment or like something that people are doing causes cancer instead of like an imbalance of your body in right. some way it's which not is, a personal problem it's a it's yeah. a user experience issue mm-hmm. yeah which again like because we had you know no science at the time to prove otherwise we always thought it was like an imbalance of something in the body mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. anyways that is in part why it was not regulated by the fda because it's like well why would it be it's fun we, we all <laughs> we all love this thing. it's fun and we all love it yeah so it's unregulation it's cultural prowess and increasing profit power did not ring any alarm bells to stop or regulate it and so blasting through way too much history lobbying scientific denying etc cigarettes have been like grandfathered into society yeah and think about it this way if cigarettes were invented today and we had all this data on its cancerous effects, would the FDA ever approve it? And as much as I dunk on the FDA on here, the answer is like absolutely fucking not. Okay. You know I was what I say, mean? Eh, maybe. Eh, maybe. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. And let's get into part two. Why are cigarettes still legal then? Yeah. Right. Like they've been grandfathered in, obviously, but like what's going on here? 
Starting in the 40s and 50s, we had like replicable hard studies that came out about the linkage between smoking and cancer. Like 40s and 50s, all the science was like suppressed, denied, whatever. Like, again, big sweeping history here. Um, But the government and public have both known for a long time that they're carcinogenic as fuck. So why are they still legal? While we've had some attempts to regulate cigarettes, like including warning labels, limiting advertising, Mm -hmm. etc. The gross pictures on the boxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've functionally, again, been grandfathered into society, but because they are regulated, they need to therefore be defined, okay? We generally defined, uh, define a cigarette as a tobacco product that is rolled in paper and smoked. Okay. Right? That's generally what a cigarette yeah, is. I would agree. So what if you're trying to make a product that is safer than the average cigarette? Let's say you invent... I, this is honestly going to be such a galaxy brain <laughs> thing here. Let's say you invent a cigarette that has significantly less nicotine or like higher oxidized paper or whatever that will be scientifically proven to cause less cancer than normal cigarettes. The thing is, our country only allows for cigarettes to be sold as they are. When you make something slightly less dangerous than a cigarette but isn't a cigarette, it has to go through its own regulatory process. No way. And since smoking is already so fucking dangerous, (laughs) the safer alternative will never be approved because it's still incredibly dangerous, even if it's like 10% less dangerous than actually smoking. That's crazy. You know what I mean? So even, yeah, so even though you're like improving the product that already mm-hmm. exists, they're like, you know what? We've had so much trouble with these cigarette things. You know, it's just, we're not going to even allow a different thing in. Yeah, because like, then you've invented a new thing that isn't defined as a cigarette. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, and what would we call it? Juicy uh, sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Tasty smoky tabs. <laughs> <laughs> we can get some heads together. We can work on something better. I, I don't know why I was going British. I was going to call them silly winks. Silly winks! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you know what? Let's just use the F word. Let's just make it a product. You know who does <laughs> You know who does use the word fags in his book is Robert Proctor. Oh, and he would. <laughs> he was talking about the he's war. He's going to ruin a whole bunch of people's lives. He's like, they were in foxholes getting lit by the friendly fire of fags. And I was like, he's reaching, Your Honor. Yeah. <laughs> You're, sir, I actually have a would like to have a word about that one. And what were they reaching? What kind of fags were they reaching for? I'm saying. I'll tell you. So, I have a follow-up question. Circling back to this idea that safer cigarettes are impossible to be made like legal from Proctor. I think he like cla- clarifies it in a very like clear way, whatever. There's an ugly irony here. Cigarettes that are not deadly enough may not be classified for regulatory purposes as cigarettes, especially if they don't contain and burn tobacco. Electronic cigarette manufacturers often include small amounts of tobacco in the product just to guarantee that they'll be classified as cigarettes and not as inhalers or some kind of drug wow. device. Wow. Right? Okay, do you understand why I'm going through all this fucking yes, history I to get do, to Jewel? I do, I do. Well, you have to give respect to your elders before you talk right. about the babies. So. <laughs> Dude. So... That's from like a legal perspective. Wait, so okay, so they don't even need to include tobacco in the vapes to have it be like a nicotine vape. They just put the tobacco in so that they don't have to reclassify themselves. They do not. So they derive their nicotine from tobacco. Yeah, that is. I think you can manufacture okay. nicotine in a different way, but they have to do it from tobacco. In order I really respected my dare officer, so that's why I don't know anything about this. <laughs> I also, again, I'm a 25-year-old podcaster. Please do not trust any <laughs> scientific thing I say on here. However, this I've spent a lot of time looking into, and I'm like pretty confident in the thing I'm saying, the exact specifics of the science of like what goes into the jewel. Of the juices. I cannot I say that I'm <laughs> being accurate on. Okay, perfect. Me neither. So that is the legal standpoint of why e-cigarettes are the way that they are. Crazy. But additionally, when we're thinking about like, quote-unquote, safer cigarettes, yeah. from a PR perspective, Proctor offers the following um, you know, the following quote. <laughs> uh, there was like a company called Legette and the Arthur D. Little Company who had worked together to create a safer cigarette, a palladium cigarette, which I can't be fucked to explain the science behind. Proctor goes into the science and how it's safer in his book, but whatever. So he and Mukherjee mentioned this huge trial for Legette in this wrongful death lawsuit. And what emerges is this quote from Proctor's book. Quote, According to the program of the Safer Cigarettes, lead architect James D. Mould, the company worried that the sale of palladium cigarettes, quote, would seriously indict them for having sold other types of cigarettes. He also recalls that Legette's president and CEO talking about a threat from Philip Morris that the Marlboro men would clobber Legette if they were ever to market such a product. Oh, my (laughs) God. Yeah, I mean, I bet that's a real big part of it is the sneaky, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, um, what do you call it? Like the... the, um, Dudes in suits? Yeah, the suits who who go up against each other, you know, Mm -hmm. like I bet like Marlboro itself, because I don't know if they've come out with their own e-cigarette brand or not. You're probably going to tell me, but they probably don't want you to exist either because you're going to pull away from their cigarette sales. Right. (gasps) 
So this re- revelation also that tobacco producers can't sell safer products because it'll look bad on what they've done before. Yeah. This is not a shocking revelation in the book. In fact, you're clobbered with that info time and time again, <laughs> like all these books. So it is bad not only from a legal standpoint, but from a PR standpoint to sell, quote, safer cigarettes. And therefore emerges the e-cigarette industry. Mm-hmm. But let's answer the question of like, uh, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> what is the actual <laughs> status of the FDA regarding regulating cigarettes and e-cigarettes? Mm-hmm. Because this also took me a long time to understand, and I still honestly have a tenuous understanding because I'm a little dumb. <laughs> me too. For an incredibly long time, the FDA was literally unable to have any power in regulating cigarettes. Beyond the Surgeon General mandating the warning what? labels, the FCC passing laws on advertising, our federal regulation of cigarettes was incredibly toothless. Wow. In the year 2000... The FDA brought a case against the tobacco company Brown and Williamson, arguing that the company's advertising and promotion of the cigarettes constituted a form of drug delivery and that the FDA, therefore, would have the authority to regulate tobacco products. Cool. Because they did it before. (laughs) And again, we're talking about the year 2000. In the court case, FDA versus Brown and Williamson, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit ruled that the FDA did not have the authority to regulate tobacco products under the uh, FDA oh Act of 36. The court found that Congress had not intended for the FDA to have the authority to regulate cigarettes and that the FDA's previous attempts to regulate tobacco products had been based on an overly broad interpretation of this authority. The decision ended the FDA's previous efforts to regulate tobacco products at Jesus all. Christ! <laughs> but then, at least in 2009, the Obama administration um, founded the Center for Tobacco Products wing of the FDA, which is the first time that we've ever been allowed to like actually fucking regulate which is crazy because Obama smoker, right? And hit it. It became politically unfashionable to be a smoker, and so he tried to hide his. Uh, wow, right? So, what does it mean to actually regulate cigarettes? Because yeah. they're still dangerous. They're still this. They're still that. So, literally, like, what are we talking about here? The answer is in warning labels, developing guidances and regulation like age of sale, and enforcing the rules. And so when I read the enforcing, I thought, okay, how does the FDA enforce anything? <laughs> like, do we have little FDA cops running around They've stitching? Guys. They're like snatching jewels from 14 year olds. <laughs> like, hey, you get that out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. You, I am you. so mad at you right now. <laughs> so practically, this means the following quote, Enforcement of the law. This is from the FDA website. Enforcement of the law is one of the most important ways the FDA regulates e-cigarettes. <laughs> Since 2016, the FDA has issued more than 8,000 warning letters to retailers, wow. both online and in brick-and-mortar retail stores. <gasps> you better not. You better not. It literally, it's a letter that says, you better not. <laughs> and then is it, so did you follow up with those guys <laughs> when you have to send them the letter? <laughs> I'm sure a bunch of people are bad at their jobs at the FDA who is like, oh, what? In September 2018, the largest coordinated enforcement in the agency's history, uh, the agency issued more than 1,100 warning letters and initiated 131 monetary penalty complaints to retailers who sold these cigarettes to Wow, minors. how about that? There's only like a bazillion convenience stores in the U.S. We have 131 so. of them. We got them, guys. <laughs> Taking them down. Dude, what? Because when you say regulating cigarettes or tobacco i'm thinking the ingredients like mm-hmm. i'm thinking you're gonna make a change to maybe get make people get less cancer which right? would be cool nope but uh it I doesn't do sound like that. they're doing that no not at all are you kidding me no they're like well, you just better not have them you just better not be <laughs> under 21 and have them look we're just gonna put all the temptation in front of you and you better not take a cookie off that plate very literally that wow which again that would require a whole season of like big tobacco and government interests being yeah, aligned you should do it but because like, yeah. when you're saying like the congress people did not uh make it available for the FDA because yeah of course not they're all getting paid off by big tobacco exactly um here's another way in which the FDA enforces okay (laughs) the federal food and drug administration regularly conducts undercover inspections of tobacco retailers <laughs> to determine whether they're adequately preventing sales of tobacco and nicotine products, including e-cigs, to individuals younger than the min- minimum legal sales age. During these inspections, a trained underage consumer working with an FDA inspector attempts to purchase a tobacco product. If the underage consumer is successful in purchasing the product, they issue a warning letter. <laughs> oh, you better not. I swear yeah, to God. Not. The name of the retail stores inspected and the result of the SD- FDA inspections, including the warning le- letters, are publicly available on the FDA website. Wow. And like, that's it. Like, so that's... it's like an FDA guy and his niece go into a corner <laughs> store. I have eight bajillion <laughs> questions on who the underage kids He's are. like, Rebecca, you try to buy that jewel and we'll see what happens. <laughs> or they're like, you know, Sam, you want to make some money this Tuesday? Yeah, Sam, you want to be able to uh, get reimbursed by the FDA? Come hang out <laughs> like, with me really Like, how do they find these? I wish I could have been an FDA child. Yeah, and what's the training? Right? <laughs> 
<laughs> what kind of training goes into that? Are they given context? Is it just like, just go in and try to buy a jewel? How old do these kids look? Yeah. Are my tax dollars funding the secret jewel purchase? Is there I'm like, curious. Is there, whoa. Because I would like to then have the jewel if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can get used to it. Yeah, what do so they do spicy. with it after they purchase it? They throw it out. They stop it. He just it lets the, the kid keep it. He's like, that's yours now, kid. <laughs> oh, yeah, you heard the treat. Yeah, you get you keep it. It's fine. It's not that bad for you. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a 21 year old FDA agent who's like, <laughs> you'd have to have I like, do it. you'd have to have like 10 to get cancer. So you're fine. You got nine more lives. You're good. <laughs> Oh, God. Maybe they scout him from, like, the Disney Channel website. I actually was an undercover narc for my uncle this weekend, so that's how I got this jewel for the party. <laughs> I'd put it on my acting reel immediately. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, during to that. I'm available for more undercover work if you are having auditions. <laughs> I had my Tito's and water in my mouth. I couldn't laugh. Oh, my God. I also picture, like, the FDA enforcer being like a character from the big bang theory you know <laughs> <laughs> you know where they're like are you a cop and he's like not technically but <laughs> I, I heard a whole laugh track when you said and te- technically not not technically but yeah oh that'd be crazy <laughs> wow well they're working hard sounds like it sort of oh my god they, honestly the fine folks at the fda do work hard <laughs> yeah, I, I will continue too. to dunk on them i like, know i feel like they're so they don't have that many guys you know they're, they're no cia i'll tell you that <laughs> they're yeah they're <laughs> Incredibly under-resourced. Um, they are declawed de- by the government sure. in many ways. Also, that Brown v. Williamson thing that I mentioned like also hurt the EPA. Cause I, <laughs> Poor EPA. It was like supposed to be about like how cigarettes cause environmental damage. And then, like I don't know. It was a whole thing. I did not read up enough on it, but it was like oh, just boy. like collateral from this fucking lawsuit. Yeah. Also, I, I know... Like, not to go way back to the beginning of the pod, but can you imagine, like, getting out of World War II and then getting on a plane and just, like, having people smoke on a plane? Right? Right? Oh. Can you imagine, like, literally going to work and, like, everyone smokes in the office? Yes. You know what I, I mean? I cannot imagine being in that environment. Okay. And we're not that far removed from that, No, you know? we're not. We're not. Let's bring it back. Back to Jewel. So... Um, we are now going back to Jewel, and this is, I'm going to part three. I'm moving on to part three. Let's do it. However, before I get to part three, let me start with one of the most damning quotes from Emperor of All Maladies. We've been talking abstractly about the industry for Mm -hmm. a while, so I want to rate it in with this piece showing the personal effects of tobacco usage. Mukherjee G is a clinical oncologist who has borne witness to, like, the most horrific effects of the industry. So I just, I like including his quotes because he's such a good writer. Quote, It is difficult for me to convey the range and depth of devastation I witnessed in the cancer wards that could be directly attributed to cancer smoking. An ebullient, immaculately dressed young advertising executive who first started smoking to calm his nerve just had to have his jawbone sliced off to remove an invasive tongue cancer. A grandmother who taught her grandchildren to smoke and then shared cigarettes with them was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. A priest with terminal lung cancer swore that smoking was the only vice he'd he'd never been able to overcome. Even as patients were paying the ultimate price for their habit, the depth of denial in some of them remained astonishing. Many of my patients continued to smoke, often furtively, during their treatment for cancer. I could smell the acrid whiff of tobacco on their clothes as they signed consent forms for chemotherapy. A surgeon who practiced in Britain in the 70s, a time when lung cancer incidence was ascending to its macabre peak, recalled the first nights in the wards when patients awoke from their cancer operations and walked around like zombies through the corridors, begging the nurses for cigarettes. Oh, my God. Oh, bleak, man. Yeah. Like, whenever oh. I read an anti-smoking thing, it's like, did you know that, like, 50% of people who take up cigarettes will, like, die of cancer? Like, yeah. like you know, 70% of adults who do this, da, da, da. And, like, it just doesn't feel as real as, like, an actual description of like right like anecdotes right life is just stories and right that's what's also so good about the book is like it's just it, it's this clinical science and then it's these anecdotes and it's whatever so it's just like when devastating I, I feel like also the effects of smoking don't catch up with you until mm. they do and so when you see like a young hot person smoking a cig of course it makes me want to smoke a cig too because i'm mm-hmm. like wow they look so fucking cool because mm-hmm. you really do look cool i mean that's a controversial opinion but i think you look it's cool. undeniable and so but then you know you hit like what 40 or 45 and your fingernails turn yellow and yeah. you reek all the time and it's like mm-hmm. all of the things that make smoking not worth it really like you know 
car car crash pile up all at once i feel like but then you also have those people like my grandma who smoked for you know 40 years (laughs) straight and then quit cold turkey and then she lived until she was 97 right which is just like crazy which is also like understandable as much as you can clown people in the past for being like how did you fucking not notice (laughs) it's also like you have people like your grandmother who are just like i smoked for 40 goddamn years and nothing happened to me and she wouldn't die god isn't it so funny when you have older relatives who just refuse to fucking die yeah (laughs) they just have like the worst lifestyles and then i'm like wait maybe does it actually make you live (laughs) but then you know the guy gets his jawbone removed and you're like well maybe not yeah it certainly does not certainly does not yeah so the reason for the roadmap of the episode thus far is because cigarettes legal status does directly impact why e-cigarettes are developed and marketed in the way that they are we wouldn't be talking about jewel this way if it wasn't for this history Mm -hmm. so let's talk about jewel fucking an hour into this episode (laughs) (laughs) adam bowen and james motzies founded this e-cigarette company in 2005 they briefly did a thc and loose leaf tobacco thing with it they sold it off and jewel was founded in 2015 (gasps) right it only took two years holy (laughs) shit in 2007 (laughs) um i'm gonna talk about their linkedin profiles for a second because it's my favorite (laughs) thing to do on this podcast (laughs) um each of them have these like lengthy flowery reviews over the the course of them being like ceos co-founders whatever it's like he's a leader like he does things right and he gets it done (laughs) and but each of their first review on linkedin is from each other and so james writes on adam's quote adam gets things done and then (laughs) um adam writes on james's james love coffee (laughs) oh they're just two guys being dudes who like each other right and linkedin is a site like meant for people to suck each other off but for what it's worth quote the jewel guys were sort of silicon valley types who are not used to having people be suspicious said a former administration official who met with them last year i think honest to god they view themselves as having a harmless product and at best a life-saving product for smokers oh so they really were it's like the it's like the keurig guy he's like i'm doing something good and now they're looking back and they're like oh fuck so Yes, all of this is like flowery and beautiful and so millennial. Adam so like coffee. Adam <laughs> like coffee. Like they're very funny and they're like relatively chill, seemingly cool dudes that create a product that they sincerely, I will give them the benefit of the doubt, believe helps mm-hmm. the world out. But let's interrogate the claim deeper. Since the FDA currently regulates e-cigarettes as cigarettes, not as any other kind of drug inhaling device, by literal design, these things have a certain amount of addictive and destructive chemicals Mm -hmm. otherwise they would not be classified as cigarettes and per the fda website quote these products use an e-liquid that contains nicotine derived from tobacco as well as flavorings propylene glycol vegetable glycerin and other ingredients the liquid is heated to create a it doesn't matter yeah so even if these founders had the best intention in mind which again i'm giving them the benefit Mm -hmm. of the doubt which i don't ever do on this podcast thinking meaning like they thought they were creating something that was going to help people smoke less exactly even if all of that is true they are still confined by the bounds of history of the tobacco industry to make this a fucking busted product that's addictive as shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, even if you think you're doing something good, you, by design, cannot do something Anything good. where it's, like, inherently addictive, like, because you're never going to get, mm-hmm. in the design of your product, you're never going to get away from that. Yeah. So it's like, you could also argue maybe they thought like, well, people aren't smoking these bad cigarettes. They're smoking our e-cigarettes, which aren't proven to cause as much cancer or whatever. Right, like we don't have the rat poison. You know how people are like, there's rat poison in cigarettes and mm-hmm. shit like that. And they're like, well, we don't have that. But it's like there's study after study coming out, like oh, especially boy. as more youth youths are doing it and whatever like yeah. uh, the data is not all there to my knowledge again 25 year old podcaster who does not understand science but it's like <laughs> every day there is another fucking study coming out that's like yep. yes vaping is just as bad yeah <laughs> you know well and my question also is like i remember with jewel the big thing was the flavored pods because mm-hmm. uh, my friend loved the mango pods <laughs> but did nobody ever try to come up with a flavored cigarette oh i think they did okay because i was gonna be like that seems like a fairly like if you had a grape flavored cigarette, like that'd be fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> they did like menthol cigarettes, which I think is a different flavor, but like they did not. Minty was always kind of like a thingy. Yeah, yeah okay. Ugh. As mentioned in the beginning of the episode, the smoking cessation industries rely on the fact that there need to be more smokers to quit in order to yeah. grow the business. The number of adult smokers in the U.S., however, has seen considerable drops, especially in the wake of like decades of aggressive anti-smoking campaigns. Mm-hmm. You used to be able to smoke at work, on planes, in public places, but the cultural shift has been significant. There is one demographic of smokers that's increased considerably, though, especially in e-cigarettes, which would be people ages 12 to 24. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say toddlers as a joke, (laughs) but it's kind of true. It's very that. Jesus. So these smiling angels who are like, we just tried to make this product... 
Oh yeah, like eighth graders. Oh. It's like a. It, I think it was like six percent in 2016. It jumped up to like nine percent in 2017. Oh. Like it was jumping up considerably with the yeah. rise of Jewel. Yeah. So let's talk about the fact that Jewel intentionally marketed towards children. Okay. <laughs> I have one more thought about Please. the we're doing something for good though. Yes. I will just say it feels like one your product is addictive so like you know there's that it has the addictive properties in it even yes. though you're trying to think make people smoke less. Mm-hmm. But also like you're you've invented a company that operates on profit so like you're not in, I mean, inherently in your business model, you're trying to make money by selling as many mm-hmm. of your little thingies as possible. So yes. if you're, even if you're trying to help people smoke less, you're like, but also still keep buying as many as possible. Yes. That just kind of seems also, once again, my favorite word, counterproductive. Yes. And so it is counterproductive and does not match up with the data that we have because yeah. there are less adult smokers. Yeah. So how do you grow your business? Mm, kids. <laughs> yeah, getting new smokers, which are usually children. Jesus. So Mara Healy, and uh, the Attorney General from Massachusetts, uh, sued Jewel on behalf of Massachusetts. Thank God. As attorneys general Someone's got to do it. Um, <laughs> Jewel purchased ad space on Nick.com, NickJr.com, <gasps> 17.com, AllFreeKidsCrafts.com, CartoonNetwork.com, HelloKids.com, and fucking Cool Math Games. Not Cool Math Games. <laughs> what? Right? What were their commercials like? It wasn't... Um, I think or it was were, like online. It was like digital ads. Like a banner ad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think they had like some commercials, all of which fe- featured people clearly under thirty. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Um, oh my god. So th- that just starting off, not a great look. Yes, really bad look. As the kids say, not a good look. Once again, you're trying to make the world a better place, <laughs> intentionally targeting kids with your little addictive sticks. Let's read more about the, this um, complaint that okay, she lodges. Okay. From 2015 through the end of 2018, the age verification process on Jewel's website consisted of the following. Let's talk about it. Oh, my God. Jewel prompted prospective purchasers to submit certain personally identifying information, name, address, date of birth. Jewel forwarded this consumer's personal information to Veritad, a private company that like does stuff like this. Veritad attempted to match all or some of the consumer's information to a person of the minimum legal sales age in its database, which consisted of information drawn from governmental records and other sources, which is crazy a private company yeah, can Yeah, what do the this. fuck? Like, how do you get access to government records? Listen to the BetterHelp episode. Okay. <laughs> If Veritad was able to locate a sufficient match of the prospective purchaser to the person of this minimal minimum legal age status in its database, it would return a pass or fail to Jewel, respectively. Okay. If Veritad returned a fail to Jewel, rather than decline the person, Jewel asks you for an alternate address. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, that one's not working. Do you have another ID I could use? Quite literally (laughs) that. (laughs) So then she gets into it more. It's it's quite tedious in this AG report. But as a result, this is what she writes. Of these lax requirements, underage consumers could pass Jewel's age verification process and purchase e-cigarettes directly from the website simply by using their parents' name, home address, and approximate date of birth. (laughs) Even with these lax requirements, Veritad Todd reported to Jewel that only 70% of prospective people bought, uh, like, passed the process. Mm-hmm. Jewel repeatedly sought to make changes to the process so that more people would be able to pass. No fucking way. <laughs> When a consumer used account credentials to purchase and ship Jewel cigarettes um, to a different address, Jewel never verified the age of the address you're sending it to. Oh, my God. So between 2015 and 2018, Jewel shipped e-cigarettes to over 10,000 recipients and addresses in Massachusetts that did not match the name supplied by the consumer. Oh, my God. And they're just, they're like, great, we're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Business is booming. Jewel customer service representatives even provided consumers with advice on how to to evade the sales restrictions. In an email from support at jewelvapor.com dated February 21st, 2018, Don from the Jewel Care team told the consumer whose order had been canceled due to failing the age verification process, Quote, the legal age to purchase nicotine products in Milton, Massachusetts is 21 years old and above. If you have friends or relatives in Quincy, Massachusetts, you may use their address as a shipping address for your order. No way. Jewel also delivered e-cigarettes to recipients whose names were clearly fabricated or intentionally omitted, such as, quote, prepaid gift card, gift recipient, and (laughs) pod god. They're like, we got to get this guy in our branding. He is one of our biggest purchasers. And it's like a nine-year-old. <laughs> but I can't believe his name's really Podgon. Like, who would change their... I think he changed his name because he loves Jewel so much. 
<laughs> oh my fucking god! I can just see the customer service representatives being like, "Honey, if you want to, if you want to really make us believe you, you have to practice your pronunciation of your R's." Okay, you're not going to get anywhere with that little lisp. I mean, I, I've worked as like a customer service representative, right? Like I'm, when I'm 20 years old, I'm sure, it's probably their fucking other high schoolers being like, "Here's how you do it." Well, and I've always wondered too, like whenever you go to like a liquor. Um, or like a like a liquor brand's website. They're always like, what's your age? You have to be a certain age in order to enter this yep. website. And I always wonder how they like confirm that you are the age that you say you are. Because I just, I, I don't even use my birthday. I'm always like, I don't want to tell you what my actual birthday is, so I'll lie. And they're like, great, sounds good. That one is substantially different than Jewel, where, where you're getting to the purchasing process, oh, which is okay. why it's longer. So it's not just to access the website. Exactly. Yeah, anybody can go. <laughs> anybody can anybody get in can there. get on yeah. the website. Because right. like anyone could just say, like, I do the same thing. I'm like, I was born in 1876. Yeah. I don't fucking care. Like I scrolled all the way <laughs> back you know <laughs> oh my God. like lifelong user yeah. <laughs> oh jesus long time caller um but yeah when you're actually purchasing the product like that's why it's like this three-step verification process or whatever to so actually like i thought for a second you were fucking jeweling because you put no, something in your mouth i ripped a cuticle off so my thumb's just really bleeding right now but i don't have a band-aid so it. i'm just sucking my own thumb off i totally thought you would i was like <laughs> I'm, I'm, jewel- I'm like yeah fuck those guys <laughs> Anyways, what were you saying? <laughs> oh, God. Beginning in 2017, Jewel began conducting its own secret shopper investigations, like the FDA. And during these inspections, of, so they have like authorized retailers, right? They sell like, tic, I don't know, fucking Kmart or like yep. the Marathon gas station. Come and go. Yes, come and go. During these inspections, Jewel determined that underage consumers were able to purchase Jewel e-cigarettes at many authorized retailers in Massachusetts. Nevertheless, they continued to authorize the retailers anyway. <laughs> After they failed, in some cases, multiple inspections. Well, those are their best guys. Yeah. <laughs> those gonna, are the top salespeople. Are you kidding gonna me? Take your biggest scorer out at the knees. Come on. <laughs> what the hell? So I'm a little embarrassed to say I didn't know you could charge your jewel on your computer. Did you know yes. that? Yes, I did. I had no fucking clue. I felt eight thousand <sighs> years old googling that. Walking through the DePaul library, you never saw just like those little USB. It looks like kind of like an Ethernet tower. I have horsey blinders whenever I you go do. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, you're really you're on. You have one mission. Yeah, yeah I, I. I've seen those sticking out from laptops, from like a, an, it's always funny when it's like an iPhone nugget, <laughs> but like in an outlet that's really close to the ground. Cause yeah. I've seen people be like, careful, 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 my jewel's <gasps> charging. And you're like, come on. <laughs> I'm kicking it now. Come on. Yeah, I, I'm going to punt this little guy. I never have interacted with people like that. I think I'm just not cool. I don't think I've ever been cool. Right. Well, sure. That's true. <laughs> I, am, I am really fucking cool. So yeah. I don't want to brag or anything. So what does all of this mean? I mean, like, pretty obviously, Jewel aggressively targeted youth smokers as a growth model for the business, right? This is seen in lawsuit after lawsuit, settlement after settlement. Which I should have talked about on this podcast, but like I was so deep in those three fucking books I mentioned, and those books are long. Yeah. So I want to talk about like the trajectory of Jewel. Okay. Overall? Yeah. Let's do it. So cause the company functionally lasted from 2015 to 2022. Well, because I was going to say, didn't they recently become illegal or something like that? We'll talk about okay. it in like one second. Let's do it. Uh, in December of 2018, Altria which is one of the world's largest cigarette manufacturers, like basically Philip Morris, but I guess they're not because they're going to do a merger, but they're not, but like they're functionally the same. They used to be Philip Morris, whatever. This Altria bought 35% of Juul for $12.8 billion, 2018. According to Wells Fargo, the deal valued Juul Labs at $38 billion. Oh my God. At the time, Juul only had an annual revenue of $2 billion and they bought a building in San Francisco in 2019 for like $400 million. However, 2019, youth smoking hits its peak. People are investigating Juul. Kids are getting sick. Shit is going crazy. All the things listed previously like start coming to light. Mm -hmm. Um, According to Reuters Health, between 2018 and 2019, the use of Juul vaping devices doubled among young people ages like 18 to 20 and more than tripled the ages 21 to 24. Wow. So people were stressed. People were stressed. What was going on at that So time? many wars. Those boys in Fox The wars of 2018. <laughs> <laughs> on October 31st, 2019, Altria announced that it was writing down $4.5 billion of their investment. <laughs> Altria cuts Jules' valuation to approximately $10 billion in 2020. And then to four, in ha- so in half. Yep. Wow. $4.3 billion in March of 2021. $1.6 billion by March 2022. And ultimately $450 million by July 2022. <gasps> Whoa. That's 3.5% of what they started with well i'm happy that adam who loves coffee <laughs> got out when the getting was good they got out in like 2020 they were actually ousted oh, okay 
Um, they were, should I say replaced? They were probably given like a nice package or whatever. But yeah. like, then they put in a Philip Morris executive, or maybe it was an Altria executive, um, like some fucking cigarette dinosaur. One of those fucking guys. Yeah. Um, July 2022, the FDA briefly banned Jules in the U.S., but then they suspended the ban because Jules was like, we're suing, this is unconstitutional. Yeah. Like, that you can't Let people inhale the vapors. Let people inhale the vapors. Uh, but they're like maybe filing for bankruptcy right now. Like they're on the ropes. They are not doing good. They are worth basically what they paid for that fucking building in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. Well, and now there's so many competitors. Yeah. 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 Like the, um, what's the one? What's the one that everyone's that doing? That we, uh, Elf Bar. Elf Bar. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say this stupid little name, but yeah. what? Yeah. What is that dumb little name? They all sound like they're like a yoga company. Like all, what's the name of the, the new name? Altru- Altria? Altria. Yeah. yeah. Altria. Altria. Altria may cause, like it sounds like a <laughs> prescription drug company. <laughs> but yeah, now, and there's, I've seen those other ones that are like a, they look like a tube kind of with a mouthpiece on the end. I don't know what those ones are called. Mm. What? It's probably something with like too many uh, vowels. Yeah. If like, I had to ooh, guess. Ooh, ula. <laughs> it's got ooh. This is my ula. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to a friend recently about this episode that I was going to do this episode. Okay. And before I really knew what shape it was going to take, I was like, oh, it's going to be about Jewel. He sort of scoffed at the idea that Jewel was a busted business, right? Interesting. I can't remember exactly how this conversation went uh, because I was drunk. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure it went along the lines of like, the science isn't there to prove that youth vaping is either as disastrous or like it's on the rise or something like that. Right. So what I want to say to that, uh, to conclude this Jewel part of the podcast, is this. In the summer of 2019, when they're really on the fucking ropes, yeah. Jewel did the following, as reported by CNBC. Quote, Jewel Labs started recruiting customers, painstakingly calling and emailing its users one by one. The vaping company wasn't trying to boost sales. Instead, it was looking for loyal customers to help lobby state and local politicians in a new <gasps> grassroots campaign. <laughs> the goal was to find people willing to sign petitions, meet with lawmakers, testify at public hearings, and tell the press about their success in using the company's devices to make the switch from cigarettes. As has been reported, the entire Make the Switch campaign, which like is a sizable campaign, mm-hmm. it's ostensibly led by people interested in smokers' rights and like skeptical science and whatever, but it's actually an AstroTurf campaign entirely paid for by Jewel. No way. <laughs> They're taking a page right out of the book of like their industry predecessors mm-hmm. by controlling the public conversation mm-hmm. about vaping. And I did casually use the word, word AstroTurf, um, which for those uninitiated is like a hilarious take on the word grassroots like a grassroots campaign like march for our lives let's right. say they're like you guys love grassroots the word grassroots <laughs> <laughs> a grassroots campaign like march for our lives is supposed to be started by a bunch of pissed off citizens who get pit, like fucking mad enough to make an organization yeah. and do stuff like that astroturf fake grass is I love it. An organization meant to look like grassroots, but it's artificially created by an organization with a vested interest in lobbying for a certain cause. Yeah. You know, like that's like big money astroturfing. I just think it's like a genius idea. Yeah, that's a great that's it's a, a great, great name. Great name for that term. Oh, yeah. that's so good. So it's an astroturf campaign. And I mean, this is also something extensively documented, again, per CNBC. Quote, in San Francisco alone, Jewel has spent more than eleven million in lobbying against a ban on the sale of e cigarettes. This includes a $7 million donation Jewel recently made to the Coalition for Reasonable Vaping Regulation, according to local campaigns. That's not a thing. (laughs) Right. Right. Guys, we have a coalition. Like, people who get mad enough about the regulation of e-cigarettes to start a grassroots campaign, go fuck yourself. Yeah, well, vapor's rights. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> since Jewel like fucking exploded in 2017 2018 they had the money to like start yeah. astroturfing and the investments they make in lobbying directly influence the information that like you are given on e-cigarettes as it always does which is why you know I told I pitched this episode to someone and they were like ah, it's not like that big of a deal right like it's not the numbers are not there the science isn't there but it's like all they gotta start doing is putting pictures of scary little bloody fetuses on the jewel sticks and <laughs> so many less people will want to do them Ooh. that's all they gotta do look at i love the marketing ideas that thank you it's out. just such a small canvas to work with so we'll have mm. to figure out how to make it uh that little stick shape <laughs> needle needlepoint horrific yeah. fetish <laughs> fetus art <laughs> i said fetish art but yeah, yeah fetish art too. or like a saggy pair of lungs you know ooh. yeah ooh, make it real icky 
So I realize that like Jewel is controlling the public conversation about this and I'm just a 25 year old podcaster yelling mm-hmm. about the dangers of cigarettes or whatever. But I hope this isn't instilled some reasonable skepticism in the casual listener who would perhaps look absolutely. into this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they absolutely had a Swiss cheese method of like, oh yeah, we care about uh, kids, you know? So yeah. all we're going to do is give them the playbook of how to buy Jewel online and <laughs> everything will be fine. You know, like that's just, that's very evil. Yeah. That is a busted business for sure. Right? Because if the if the business being busted means it's bankrupt, it's maybe it's not necessarily busted. But if you're busted if you got a crooked spine, mister. It's also both because yeah. it is also going bankrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? It is both. Dude, wild. I mean, the advertising is really what's killer. I haven't seen many... I haven't seen many jewel advertisements, to be honest, like not on TV. Mm -hmm. But what I have noticed an uptick in is that um, like teen anti-smoking awareness group. I don't remember what they're called. The The truth about smoking or the truth about vaping or whatever. I also see those on Hulu all the time. Yes. And those, I think, are like kind of getting better because they're like Mm -hmm. they they did that like how it feels to chew five gum ad where they're like, this is what happens when you vape. And it's like metal shards and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that would work on me, to be honest. Jewel also notably pivoted away from like TV commercials and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and paid influencers and like (gasps) YouTubers. It's also hilarious to go through this attorney general (laughs) document because it'll have like a picture of Miley Cyrus and explain who Miley Cyrus is. (laughs) Miley Cyrus pictured left. Yeah, that and it's like she appeared on Hannah Montana and like Jewel paid her X amount of money to like wow. promote Jewel and like some of her Instagram videos. Oh, I you wish know? Hannah Montana jeweled. Yeah, right. It would make her a lot more relatable. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, for teen girls like us. I'm also picturing just influencers being like, I'm using the. Uh, you can see it right here in my hand. It's the mango citrus vape yes. pod. Also, Jewel had to in like 2019 or 2020 or whatever had to stop selling those stupid fucking flavored pods because yeah. those are clearly to introduce oh new smokers God. because it makes it easier to smoke because yeah. they're like delicious. You know oh, what I mean? Anytime. You are targeting kids and it's not a toy. I think you might be a little evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little. Yikes. I consider this business busted. All of which happened during the cool CEO founder's tenure. You know what right. I mean? Like, Oh, God. That 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 CEO, that cigarette CEO who went in after them was probably like, kombucha on tap in the office. That, <laughs> that is a cost we could cut for sure. <laughs> and why are you guys sitting on beanbags? Let's just... <laughs> Let's get an actual, some chairs in here. You guys' backs have to be killing you. <laughs> Can I please have a cubicle? I don't want to look I, at Frederick all day. An open door policy, I'm absolutely closing my door. Uh, uh, Jesus you, you can talk to my assistant out front. She sits in front. We keep it real 1950s Her in name's here. Carla. She's wearing only one button. Yes, and Carla... <laughs> And I'm taking out the sensitivity pods. Yeah. You guys don't need those anymore. Why do we have these wow. videos with 23-year-old actors saying that I can't say, like, yeah. I can't call a woman toots anymore? Look, here's the thing. I'm cutting the sexual harassment <laughs> training, okay? <laughs> we've got to cut costs. This is a sinking ship. I'm sorry. I know we've been doing the bit for too long. It's, it's so just, good, though. It it's so, so good. It, I, I also wonder, you know, the fact that, I know we're trying to wrap it up, but, like, the fact that they're like, they're like, <laughs> they're like, you can't prove that it's bad for kids. Right. They're like, you can't prove it. Mm -hmm. But literally since your company in the seven years that your company existed, (laughs) kids were having like strokes and shit because of your product. Like that kind of seems pretty indicative of the fact that you're evil. (laughs) Are we the bad guys? Are we the baddies? (laughs) Somebody writes it on the whiteboard and that stupid little (laughs) Adam like, I love coffee. I can't be baddies. Coffee black. For what it's worth, I once again think that the industry Jewel is built upon is fucking nutty and wacky. And it's a symptom of a cultural illness that we think. Mm -hmm. That in the face of consuming this bad thing, cigarettes, the solution is to consume a good thing, mm-hmm. Jewel. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, because you can't consume a gooder yeah, thing, right? Because it doesn't exist. We literally legally cannot have that. <laughs> Put more eloquently by Proctor, quote, unquestioned in all of this is the ideology of consumer sovereignty. The presumption is that consumers should have unlimited choices when it comes to what kind of products they consume. It is the myopia that leads us to encourage cessation of consumption while ignoring opportunities in the realm of cessation of production. Consumers are encouraged to stop consuming, but producers are never discouraged from producing. Mm -hmm. On the other side of the same coin from Sarah Milov, 
Quote, but for farmers, especially for partisans of high government support for agriculture, surplus commodities did not reflect a problem of overproduction. They represented the problem of underconsumption. Mm. Throughout the 50s, foreign markets were seen as a way to expand. Uh, Tomacco was like among these markets, whatever. So it simultaneously maintained the solvency of the U.S. price support programs. Like as it was, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I butcher the quote, I don't care. Um, so, like, at no point does anyone ever say we need to stop making right. cigarettes. We need to stop making e-cigarettes. So we just need to, like, regulate them or change the way that people consume them. Yeah. Or, you know, in the face of this, you know, huge history of tobacco, it's like, now we make a good product that, like, is less bad well, than tobacco, yeah. you know? And the rules kind of say, I mean, well, one, you're not incentivizing anybody to create anything better because legally you can't. Right. Right? So, and also, like, uh, in if it's a consumable product, which, you know, tobacco is is harvested and dried so it lasts a long fucking time mm -hmm. and the rules say that all you have to do is market it a different way in order for it to be considered legal yeah like adding on top of that the car crash of the 1960s mad men executives marketing on wall street like everything is just like hey man it's your choice i mean yeah it can be bad for you but it's yes. up to you yes Ugh. and so it is even more damning to me when people are like just quit sm like it's smokers fault like it's individual's fault or whatever. Mm -hmm. When this is just like a monstrous system. We're not making you smoke a pack a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that is like not the right focus, right? Yeah. Of like all these anti-smoking campaigns. Like the in um, while it's important, you know, like it's important to get information out there, or whatever. The ire being directed at individuals for smoking cigarettes yep. instead of like this horrible structural sickness that we've all lived under for so long. Yep. Like that's well. Now we're all like, well, yeah, of course, cigarette companies are bad. You know, like mm -hmm. we know that, but also it's fucking addicting. So like, yeah. if your if your ad campaigns are like, hey, just like a just a reminder that these are bad for you, like that's not gonna really help someone be like, you know what, today is the day where I stop <laughs> doing my little thing that makes me happy in the morning. Yeah, because you, <laughs> you know, know like, would stop them from doing that, like not being able to buy it at the store. Yeah, you know, like because it's not there. Yeah, but also you know, like our country is really sticky with the like you can't tell me what to do whole thing. Yes, and that is why um, the book that Proctor wrote is called The Case for Abolition yeah. of Cigarettes because when you talk about like prohibition, people think of like prohibition of alcohol, which mm -hmm. did not go well. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> I, I probably would have like... We tried. We tried. It didn't work. <laughs> but it's so different. This is also an argument that I like thought about in my head before I started this podcast because I was like, I believe people should be able to drink. Like, am I kind of a huge fucking hypocrite here? Right. Because I don't think people should be able to smoke. Oh, interesting. And the thing is, like, used as intended, which at least, like, companies will tell you, every alcohol business is also, like, a terrible busted business, mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm not saying that the industry is good. You're also targeting kids most of the time, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, alcohol doesn't target kids. And nowhere in the ads do they target kids. And, again, when used as intended, scientifically, it's been proven I just listened to a podcast about this that was completely unrelated. Like, people who drink one or two drinks a day are fine. Mm -hmm. People who smoke, like, a pack of cigarettes a day, like, usually get more addicted, like, it's a snowball effect or whatever. People using cigarettes as intended is incredibly dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, alcohol yeah. consumption is just not the same. Right. Binge drinker, very dangerous. But, yeah. like, regular drinker who's not addicted, whatever, like... <laughs> yeah, and, and you know... Your body is, like, designed to filter out alcohol, which, mm -hmm. like, with carcinogens, I don't think your body's designed to, like, take yeah. care of those for you. Yeah. At least not on a big scale, yeah. right? I This is a part of science that I don't understand. Yeah, so I don't I get it. I mean, if there's a scientist that. who listens, please let us know. <laughs> let please know. let us know in the comments um, <laughs> what our bodies can do. I'm curious. That yeah. is just wild. I mean, I think you should do a whole season on, like things that the ATF monitors because Ooh. you could put firearms in that season Yo. and that would be really interesting. You're blowing my fucking mind right now. Because guns, to me, I'm like, it's the same thing of like anything that, you know, really is intentionally made to take people down. Uh -huh. The advertising is so fascinating. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, they're making hard Mountain Dew just because we're talking about not alcohol not being marketed to kids. Let's hear it. They're making a hard Mountain Dew product, which is like, you know, like... um it's like hard kombucha. It's like yeah. alcoholic Mountain Dew. Do you think it's going to be delicious? I think it might be yummy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're bringing Four Loko back. It might be fucking good. <laughs> Every single uh, pursuit in my life is just like a turgid attempt four loco exists. to get wait, Four Loko. What are you talking about? Well, not like the way it used to be. Yeah, without the caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. <sighs> Mountain Dew, I think, is going to have the caffeine in there. <laughs> Unless oh, they like man. change the recipe, which would be highly um, destructive for me personally. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, to circle back to the topic at hand that we were talking about, okay. cigarettes yeah. slash 
smoking. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen an old magazine that has an old Marlboro ad in it? Yeah. I just talked to whoever ran those ad campaigns because they are gorgeous. (laughs) My God, are they sexy? It's like a muscle car or a horse. And there's a hot, hot man. And they don't even have to put a cigarette in it. You just know what they're talking about. Right? It was so ubiquitous, all the advertising. Again, which is why there might be a whole season about it. But who knows? You should. Did you learn something new today? I really did learn something new today. Wow. I feel like it. my hate fire for cigarette companies has been reignited. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because, I mean, I you think that people shouldn't be able to smoke, and I'm kind of like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. Sure. But it does seem like the best way to get rid of them is just to not make them available anymore. Yeah. And again, I don't mean like put people in jail who smoke cigarettes. Like, no. That's clearly not just what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, like, Just phase them out. Yeah, Just phase them out. We should not have them available in society they, Is there a way that they could make a law that would be like, you can only manufacture X amount of cigarettes per year, <laughs> and then they just slowly make that Whoa. number smaller and smaller and smaller? I have no idea, but look at you. <laughs> I'm putting you on the seat of Congress. The only thing... <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad somebody said it. The only thing is currency, you know? Hmm. We're going to have to give prisoners something else to haggle. <laughs> you said currency like I knew exactly the, what you were talking about. Well, you about. brought up the gulag prisoners using it as currency, so we're going to have to give those guys something Mocha else. I think you brought up the gulags. <laughs> you, you brought it up first, actually, so <laughs> I'm not that out of pocket. Wow, crazy. Burn it all down, I say. Yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> Emma, do you have anything to plug before we get the fuck out of here? Uh, you can listen to my podcast, Do You Have a Sec? It's mm-hmm. coming back. It was on a yes. summer It was on a summer break, but mm-hmm. new, po- new episodes are coming back. I host that with two of my coworkers, Michelle and Eva, and it's just a little joyful thing to listen to. And otherwise, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're the first person in a while who's had anything to plug. Really? Ever cool. Shit on my Check podcast. out that podcast and then follow us on Instagram too at Do You Have a Sec Pod. Yeah. That's uh-huh. it. Okay, well, yeah, that was Ben Busted Business Bureau. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Oh my God, I'm so happy you fucking came oh, on the podcast. so cool. I'll definitely see you again. So- oh, I mean, on the podcast, I mean, soon. I'll see you again. Oh, fucking let's about. fucking go for it. Let's do it. Oh my God, Kissy Sissy. Oh, Kissy Sissy podcast would be incredible. I was also going to say, listen to my girlfriend Allie's episode. Oh, yeah, that's the Center for COVID. <laughs> control oh by the way Allie and Emma are dating the- Ali, Allie's I was the one who was sick in line at the center for COVID control we're pretty sure <laughs> <laughs> did you have COVID um no but <laughs> will you, we ever know you probably did I probably did right. I was like not to not talk about what we were talking about but like I was very very sick and and for like days for My days God. yeah I got that kind of sick where like your skin tingles you know like it, it shirts are irritating to your skin yeah. because oh, you're Jesus just so Christ. sick. Yeah. And I just watched all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, <laughs> which was great because I hadn't seen those did in a really long time. Did Allie get to go to Florida? Allie did get to go to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> the second she tested negative, she's like, bye. <laughs> and I, I spent uh, five days in our guest bedroom. Well, this is very, very enlightening. Yeah. For repeat listeners of the podcast, you are being rewarded. Check out that episode. My <laughs> other favorite episode of this podcast is the Lockheed Martin episode with Danica. <laughs> that's an all, that's a five star episode. So check those two out. They're great. Okay. Well, thanks for plugging my podcast on my podcast. Oh. And we'll see you directly after this. Cheers. Let's go hang out. Let's go have a drink. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.